Welcome to the Philocrosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Philocrosophy Podcast. I am really excited to be hosting Bobby Benson, the new head coach at Providence College. Bobby has had an unbelievable career along the way with a, as a four-year and a starter and three-year All-American at Hopkins, was an assistant coach and offensive coordinator for 14 years, won two national championships, and then just most recently came off a two-year stint at the University of Maryland, where he was the offensive coordinator, lost one game in two years, and won the national championship this past year. Bobby, really excited to have you on the show. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back, and uh, always great to get to talk some lacrosse with you. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you have to be completely drinking uh, from a fire hose right now as a first-time head coach, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, if we say every time we come in with a to-do list, we just start chipping away at it and then we leave the day and the to-do list is longer than the, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're, we're getting through little by little. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, par for the course when you, when you start over, just, you know, finding new systems, new ways of doing things, um, getting used to the university. Um, but we're blessed that uh, the student athletes here have just been awesome. The people here have been awesome. Um, Coach Gabrielli and his staff left this place, you know, in a really good spot organizationally. So we're uh, we're super blessed that way. It makes it a little bit easier for us. Nice, man. Awesome. All right. What I want to do before we start diving into PC lacrosse and planning and, and you know, um, fact that your first team meetings in about four hours um I, I wanted i want to go back and talk a little bit about maryland um i think all the listeners are fascinated to know you guys had listen an incredible two-year run i mean in 2021 um lose a heartbreaker in the national championship first loss of the season jared bernhardt on the team um you know you did a phenomenal webinar for me a couple uh, of last year sort of highlighting what a great player he was, but then you guys lose the best player, the Torton winner, one of the, one of the best players in the last 10 years, probably and the offense seemed to even be better. So I want to dive into a little bit of offense from the university of Maryland and that experience. Yeah, I was super blessed. Um, you know, the two years I spent in college park were awesome. I, I got to work with some of the most unbelievable student athletes, um, you know, and obviously, Jared, you can just see what he's doing even right now with the Falcons, uh, absolutely tearing it up. So we couldn't be happier and prouder for him. And uh, and then last year, you know, we, we had a very different group. And, you know, I think that as people come and go, groups always just come together differently. They gel differently. And, and I think that the chemistry we had last year, both from the guys that were there and the guys that uh, transferred in, um was kind of a perfect match i, I think that keegan con john donville were absolutely perfect guys to go with the nucleus that was there already and you look at logan and kyle and DeMeo, and, and those guys were so established and so good and i think it was kind of the perfect pieces to just put it all together and i was blessed to get to be with them and, and get to watch them play every day so how would you sort of describe big picture fifty thousand feet 
um, how that team played philosophically, how you wanted them to play. Um, what are some of the key principles that you kind of um, focused on to, to get them to play so well? I think that fast and unselfishly are, are probably what I would say in terms of, you know, the, some of the principles of how they played, um, you know, I, I was super impressed and super proud with how well they moved the ball, um, you know, from one side of the field to the other, from up top to behind, um, how unselfish they were. And, you know, when you move the ball that unselfishly, you naturally play faster. Um, you know, it's harder for the defense. The defense is turning their heads more. They're spinning more. Uh, and, and I think that that really helped us. But, you know, the way that they really looked out for each other, uh, Logan was Noskis being our best player and being one that was a lot of times off the ball uh, probably helped because he was on the receiving end of a lot of it. And people knew that if they played that way, they were going to get rewarded. Uh but I think it was a really good chemistry and a really good situation with a lot of, you know, awesomely talented players, obviously. Totally. I mean, the ball movement was amazing. The shot selection, you guys just didn't take bad shots. How did you talk about that with the guys? You know, that, that's a coach Tillman's really big in shot selection and, you know, not taking low angle shots uh, and not taking shots that you can't make are definitely something that, you know, he preaches. Um, so, so I think that that, helps uh you know it's something that we looked at a good bit just making sure that we had a good shot so uh shot percentage um it's something that the guys took pride in uh they kind of knew that we were going to be able to get a good shot that we were going to be able to make on each possession so if somebody took a shot that wasn't the best shot you know i, I think the guys were willing to say hey i think we can get a better one there i think we can get a better one here and, and i think that that unselfishness in terms of wanting the best shot as the team uh was something that really helped us. Um, I also think when you move the ball uh, as well as our guys did, you end up with a lot of assisted goals. And when you end up with a lot of assisted goals and you're playing off the ball and you're cutting and you're getting good, good opportunities, it just naturally comes better. Um, when you're trying to kind of rely on those alley dodge shots, they just tend to be a little bit more low percentage to begin with. Um, you know, and when you have an offense that maybe starts with an alley dodge and then teams don't want to slide. So then you kind of need to shoot it to get them to slide. You end up with a lot of just bad angle shots. And I think that the guys did a good job of moving the ball unselfishly and getting good shots that way. So if you weren't really trying to dodge the alleys to get them to slide and having to shoot on those alleys to make them slide, which I think is a great concept. I hadn't really thought about that, but it's kind of obvious. So what, what kind of angles were you using to attack? You know, we, we do a little, uh, we would do a little bit of dodging the alleys or the high wings, um, but we tried to limit it and, you know, make sure that if we were doing it, we were taking good shots or even ducking back underneath to get to the middle. Um, we would roll in the invert a little bit to try to, you know, either get to a big little or get behind, make the defense turn their heads. We do a little bit of two man games on the wings. Uh, obviously, Kyle and uh, uh, Donville were really good on one side and Logan and uh, DeMeo were really good on the other side. Um, so there was a bunch of different opportunities, I think. And the other thing is, you know, if you pass up that shot, you keep the ball moving and you're able to attack and beat guys off the ball. Sometimes you don't necessarily need the phenomenal dodge. Uh, if you're moving well off the ball, it gives you a second opportunity to beat them. You don't have to beat them on the ball. You can beat them off the ball as well. And I think that that's something that we really tried to focus on. So when you say beat them off the ball, I think, I think a lot of people would just think of like cuts, which is kind of obvious if you can beat somebody off the ball in a cut or draw a slide and they're wide open on a cut. That's great. But are you talking about beating people sort of off the ball on sort of your drift stuff and, you know, the backside where you're creating impossible approaches with your off the ball sort of 
movement combined with the ball movement? Yeah, cuts are great, obviously, right? The ball uh, the ball goes behind, especially the defender's got to turn his head. You got an opportunity to cut there as he's kind of trying to find the ball and find you while he's moving his spacing. Um, so those are obviously great opportunities. Um, you know, if he starts to stare at the ball, um, you have some opportunities in skip lanes. I think, you know, in the last game and a few times, I think Kyle did a good job of kind of finding some wing-to-wing skips at times uh, that we could throw. And then exactly what you're talking about, like behind the goal, using the crease, or if you dodge to the middle, kind of drifting, taking advantage of, you know, a defense that may be showing a little bit to the ball adjacent or defenses that might get lost around the crease, being able to sneak. Um, I can think of a couple of games where our guys got two or three off those drifts behind, um, you know, where they can kind of find and get behind their guy's head or, you know, set themselves up where the defender can't take a good angle to get to them. And, you know, all of those kind of come into beating them off the ball, which is, you know, every bit as, and I would almost argue sometimes more important than beating them on the ball. Yeah. It's almost like starting your dodge when you don't have the ball. No, it's, you know, sometimes we all tend to stand and stare at one guy, uh, you know, watching him dodge. And, you know, when you can beat the guy off the ball and not worry about the guy on the ball, uh, you know, it gives you a whole another dimension to your offense. Uh, obviously, if you can beat the guy on the ball, it makes the defense really hard because now they got to support and do all of that. So that's obviously a very efficient way to play as well. But if you can beat them off the ball, it can be every bit as uh, advantageous. What what sort of um, what, what 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 would you say, what would you how would you characterize the set that you played out of and the movements and motions that you were getting in your offense last year? Uh, we started in kind of like a deuces, but like a high wing deuces. And then we just kind of played out of it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we, you know, we talk about find our spacing a little bit, find those spots. But again, we would, you know, we want it to be as free flowing as possible. So uh, we, we try not to talk too much about sets necessarily and talk more about how we can attack. And that may change game to game. It may be, hey, we want to do a two man over here with the lefties, or I think we can, you know, find this guy in space, or we might be able to get Jack Brennan behind in an invert, or, you know, we might be able to, you know, do big littles against their number 46, or maybe we want to, you know, look to pick big, big and get, you know, this defender involved. And we would try to like create ways that we could kind of flow that out of our offense um, without necessarily changing what we do. Mm -hmm. And what kind of like, off-ball actions were you trying to get? I mean, would you sort of say like, all right, look, we kind of want to get a big little, you know, with Anthony and, and Wisnowskis on the lefty side. What were some of the actions um, that you would get going away from the ball? We often get a little far wing cut, some sort of far wing cut, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, kind of guy looking to be active inside. And then if we can find somebody else up top or in the skip or somewhere around, that would be great as well. Uh, maybe a little bit of a switch with an inside outside guy. We didn't try to be too scripted. Um, we didn't want to be in spots where one could play two. So we want to make sure that they kind of keep moving, um, but also make sure they have their spacing, especially we wanted the spacing when the team was ready to slide, because obviously right before that is when you need to make your decision. Um, and then always behind the goal, uh, depending on, again, if they were pressuring, if they weren't pressuring, um, you know, we could do different things, but we wanted to take advantage of the crease, look to sneak, um, look to get them hung. I thought we were very good in the hung last year. Uh, so those were things that, you know, we wanted to try to take advantage of as well. So you really didn't have much script to what you were doing, because obviously the more scripted you, you are, the, the easier you are really to scout, right? 
Um, it kind of reminds me of the Hopkins days when you when you would talk about your spaghetti when the ball was behind and and, and it was just like, hey, um, you know, pick for somebody coming out of the crease. You know, don't hang out, don't cut to the island. I mean, was it as was it basically the same kind of off ball movement as that? We still practice that a lot when the ball is behind. Yeah, cut down, get out, cut down, get out. You know, if if set a screen for somebody. If they're going to switch it, look to slip. If they're going to stay, look to stick. Um, yeah, we did all of that still. Um, a lot of that we still did, and I found that pretty advantageous. Um, you know, and then again, some of the two man stuff on the wings, a little bit of the deuces set to try to find some spots at times, or a little bit of a high wing set at times to try to just find some spot to make sure we have some spacing. But again, most of that's up to them. And, uh, you know, the less I can kind of micromanage and the more that they play, the better off we're going to be. So when you're in that deuces with with these sort of high wings and deuces or in the high wings sort of umbrella look or three out, was that just to sort of allow you to kind of take advantage of slides early on before you start flowing? Yeah, it just gave us some spots where we knew where we could be, where at least we had a little bit of spacing and then we could kind of free flow and play out of it. Um, and something if we got – discombobulated to kind of come back to um if we felt like we were uncomfortable um you know one thing we like to talk about is like if we're comfortable keep playing um if it you know if we're comfortable and the defense is comfortable keep playing if we're comfortable and the defense is uncomfortable obviously keep playing if we're uncomfortable and the defense is comfortable stop playing right and we'll start over and if we're uncomfortable and the defense is uncomfortable we can still stop playing because we're not comfortable so again, you know, it's not as much necessarily where the defense is, but where we are. And, you know, if we have our good flow and we're playing, that's great. But if we need to kind of get back and find those spots, then we'll just get back and find those spots and, you know, kind of start over when we need to. Um, but the more you practice it, the less you need to do that and the more chemistry you develop with each other. And I thought our guys did an awesome job. How much did you guys really need to rely on your ability to beat your man one-on-one -on -one with an offense like this? I mean, obviously it's important, but you never know where shorts are going to be put on. And I see some teams when all of a sudden they put a, you know, a shorty on attackman or whatever, all of a sudden the matchups change and, and, they, and they just don't seem to have the same um, produ productivity. Um, how were you able to avoid that? Was it just the balance of everybody could dodge or was it kind of the all of the above? Yeah, you know, we, we found shorts on everybody throughout the year, I think. So, uh, you know, that was definitely something that we were adjusting to, but also we didn't want to change what we did. Um, you know, there's definitely going into games, there were things, and it could be shorts, it could be longs, it could be, generally speaking, the short sticks are probably less good defensively than the long sticks, so that's why people want to attack them. Um, but we may say, hey, we want to pick on this defender or if this, you know, second long stick middies in, we want to go after him or we want to take this long stick middie behind the goal because he's a big checker, good hands, but not great if you lock up and not great around goal line. So there's different things that we practice that we may try to do throughout a game um, that may be short stick, long stick or not. And we don't know the matchups anyway, but it's really just getting guys comfortable, getting guys comfortable playing and then being able to say, you know, without calling set plays here and there. Hey, let's try to take this guy behind and, you know, oh, he's on DeMeo this time. So he might go back there. Oh, he's on Kyle this time. So Kyle might go back there, uh, you know, and just being able to adapt, you know, basically on their personnel to be able to win some matchup and put them in tough spots, but also, um, 
you know, to be able to help yourself, right? Keegan Khan behind the goal. There were games where the guys that play behind just aren't great off the ball. It's like, Keegan, we got to get up and involved in the offense this game and, you know, get involved in the pick game and get involved in cutting and make him play off the ball just to take advantage of their weaknesses more than it is to, you know, necessarily, you know, change your offense. And you want to do it within the same offensive construct. How simple would you say your offense is? Oh, see, that, that's a that, that's a funny one. Um, I think it's simple. There's no rules. You can do whatever you want, um, you know, and I think some people would tell you it's simple and some people would probably tell you it's the most complicated offense they have um, because you're always making a decision. Um, and, you know, that's what offense is, right? And, and generally the best offensive players are often the best decision makers. Uh, so, you know, you're always making decisions of, is it a good shot or a bad shot? Like, who's the best guy to dodge here? Or where's the pick game? Or where should I cut? Or how do I beat this guy? Or how am I playing him here at X? Or there are so many decisions that you're making the entire time you're playing. And we try to analyze those as best we can and realize that, I mean, if we're making like 25% of the decisions like good, we're probably going to give ourselves a good chance to score. And, and the nice thing about offense is you just have to be ready to capitalize when the defense makes a mistake. Other than that, you can kind of be a neutral um, at times. And defensively, you've kind of got to be on it all the time because if you lapse and they go, you're going to give up a nice shot or a nice goal. Um, so sometimes we fall back on, all right, just take care of the ball. You know, if it's not a good shot, we can we can always get the next one. Right? If, you, if you throw it away, you give it back to them, you don't get a chance for that one. So you can always get the next one. Um, so sometimes we, you know, scale back the decision-making a little bit. Um, but for the most part, like, you know, the, the power is kind of the guys to go make plays and to go be creative and do things. Um, we just want to make sure that we're maximizing each possession and we don't want to leave with empty possessions. All right, let's talk a little about two-man game. Um, You've referenced it a little bit, um, both on ball and off ball. Um, but what percentage would you say you guys would run some kind of a two-man game if you were to sort of guess, um, uh, you know, including behind and on the wings and wherever? Oh, I mean, per possession, there was probably multiple that occurred on most possessions. Um, you know, we would occasionally, I'd say, like, I would say Kyle, Anthony, when they had short sticks, might kind of have a little bit of a go. Um, you know, in the second midfield, I think the guys probably behind the goal would have a little bit of a go or, you know, Brennan would have some goes. But for the most part, we were usually in some sort of two-man game to start. Um, you know, one thing that I think tends to happen is, you know, when you start setting picks and change matchups or you get them to slide, defenses tend to start to get uncomfortable, right? And they don't have their matchups that they've been practicing all week. They start to, you know, get nervous. They start to turn their heads. This guy's got a pole now. This guy's got a short stick. I want to get back to my matchup. And so the more we could kind of do some picks and two-man games early and put them in uncomfortable spots as we flow into our offense, we always thought that was good as well. So earlier you were sort of saying, hey, if they – if they switch, slip it. If they stay, stick it. So that's that's the the basics of reading picks. You know, Maryland defense was pretty outstanding at covering picks, by the way. And it was interesting to watch them. In the end, as an offense, you want to create an advantage, ideally, of a two-on-one. If you can get one person to switch and one person to stay, you know, you've created a two-on-one. How did you sort of teach the reads um, beyond just the, the that basic scenario and how did you practice it and how did you emphasize it? Yeah, we, we do a lot of two-on-twos. Um, we'd, uh, 
you know, we'd watch film, we, we'd go into, you know, depth and different things. We do some positional stuff, um, whether it's skeleton, whether it's like two on one, uh, you know, different drills that we could kind of come up with. Um, but most of it was just, you know, kind of through the course of the week, um, analyzing or looking at, you know, how they play them and what we can do. Right. So obviously, you know, in the simplest form, like you said, stay, if they're going to stay stick, if they're going to switch slip, but then you start to run into chips and are they stepping out and how far are they chipping it? Uh, and we might go into games. And, and, you know, I remember one year when I was at Hopkins, we were playing a team and they had two short sticks and they only played two short sticks and one of them chipped really far and one of them didn't. It was like, all right, if you're picking with number 34, we're going to stick that one. But if you're picking with number 35, we're going to slip that one because he chips it really far. Um, and you know, so you start to try to, you know, figure things out before the game goes. And then the conversations throughout the game, right? Hey guys, we might want to start slipping some of these there. So, you know, they're really switching or, Hey, you know, they're not switching, but this guy's really far off of it. And if we slip early, we might be able to take away their slide guy and have a dodge to the goal. Uh, you know, so there's just, you know, once you kind of get the slip and the stick down, then, you know, what can you do there, right? Can you set them across the goal line? There's like razor picks that might give them some problems. That's something that we would talk about um, if we wanted to change it up or coming in and setting swing picks if they're trying to chip it a little bit and we can kind of get to the other side. Maybe they're trying to keep their matchups, but they can't get around to chip it. Um, so there's a lot of things then that we would talk about and kind of get through. And also at the end of the day, if they're going to, you know, step out and switch stuff and you can change their matchups, generally they're going to get uncomfortable and you still have, you know, 45 seconds to play offense with them in uh you know, spots that they don't like to be defensively. So interesting. Um, one of the things that I was really blown away with, um, with you guys last year was just that you were actually excellent in all phases of the game. You guys could push transition. You had phenomenal sub games. I mean, you guys scored goals on sub games all the time. Um, you were great on offense. You were great. You know, you were, you know, at the end of a shot clock, at the beginning of the middle, you're patient. And then on man up too. Um, so first of all, it, it really was an amazing display of, of, of unselfishness and discipline, I thought, and, and really smart play. Um, talk to me a little bit about your philosophy on, on sub games. Yeah. You know, we were, uh, we were blessed to have some of those guys that did really well. I mean, obviously Bubba going from a first line offensive midfielder to playing more defense and transition and Roman was so good there and Higgs and Alex and, uh, you know, we had lost Kaufman for the year, who was great there, too. And, uh, you know, having uh, Gepard was really good at it, and it rubbed off. I think Owen got a goal at the end of uh, maybe his first goal ever, whatever, in the uh, national championship game. So I think, you know, our, our guys there, just having a group that was athletic, that was seniors, that were mature, that you know, had good offensive skills. Uh, I mean, Roman Pugliese, somebody that could easily have played offense at places. Bubba was playing offense. I think helps. And, and again, the, you have the shot clock, you get it across, you have 60, 70, whatever's left in the shot clock to score from your clear. And, and one thing we want to do is we make the defense defend for that whole time. And so if we can come down, we can set a pick again, there's an offensive guy there. He's not great playing defense and we could, you know, set a pick, take advantage of that, or maybe have a little dodge with them and take advantage of, you know, somebody that's not a defensive guy. That's great. Um, 
you know, if we're coming off the, if then they get tired, we're able to pull a string or come off the field because we see them suck in, you know, we can get off. Now we get a sub advantage. That's great. Um, but why not keep pressure on them? I, I don't love just coming down and throwing the ball in a circle for 15 or 20 seconds to kind of let everybody go. You're taking a 60 second shot clock and making it 40 seconds, uh, which to me becomes more challenging. So again, if we can keep that pressure on, as soon as we come across the midline, let's look to score but let's also make good decisions and let's also realize that, you know, our risk level probably doesn't need to be too high early because we're going to get some easy ones. Um, and if we keep the pressure on them, we're eventually going to get some easy ones and the defense will break down. Um, so stay aggressive, stay creative. Just, you know, we don't have to be incredibly high in the risk level until later. And I thought our guys did an awesome job of that for, uh, for most of the year. Such a good shooting team too. It was amazing how well you got, you guys shot. I mean, very, not just power and accuracy. I mean, there was some like really smart shooting, some deceptive shooting, holding guys up and pulling it low. I mean, watching Tameo and Lisnauskas and, and Donville, those guys. I mean, Donville, the Canadian, he's obviously like been gr grown up with the deceptive shooting, but it was pretty impressive. Did you have something you guys worked on or was it just something you, you, you were blessed with on that roster or both? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, you know, uh, we definitely worked on it. You know, Coach Tillman, uh, you know, works with the goalies too. So he's got a huge, uh, you know, eye for kind of shooters. And, you know, I think that the, the, uh, the goalies being able to offer kind of insight to the shooters, you know, and he did a good job of kind of having that feedback back and forth, which was really good for our guys when they were giving something away or something wasn't, you know, right. Um, that I think really helped. And also we just had a group of guys that was, were always out practicing. I mean, Practice would end and we didn't practice for overly long, but guys were always out there for an extra 30, 45 minutes shooting, working on their own. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed at all my stops to be at spots where guys really worked hard on their own. And, you know, I think the extra time that the guys, you know, at College Park put in was one of the reasons why they were so successful. Did you guys shoot more outside of practice than in practice? Yeah, we did a little uh, positional stuff and, you know, shooting every day. But, you know, you're working on shooting, but you're also working on whether it's a three on two or whether it's a part yeah. of your offense or whether it's, you know, you're trying to get some reps and something that you might do that week. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you can put in whatever shooting drills you want and shoot as much as you want in practice. You can, you know, make, you know something a uh, you know key point if you want to shoot overhand on a goal you can shoot over a goal or if you want to you know make sure you're turning the corner or you're taking a hit you can get a football pad out and go underneath and do something but you're not going to get that many reps in to really get better with 25 guys on a couple goals during practice practice right i mean if yep. you go out there with a bucket of balls and one person and he's feeding you 50 balls you can get 50 shots in in you know 10 minutes or whatever and yeah. And that's going to be, you know, probably not even that, probably in three minutes. And that's going to be so much more advantageous. So the guy and the guys did that. The guys went out, you know, or at the end of practice, before practice, they were always working on their own. And that's why they were good. Yeah. Um. So my last question, you know, one of the things it seems to me is that you had a really skilled group. You had a veteran group. You had a smart group. But they they did keep getting better. And it seems like developmentally, and philosophically, the way you guys play with allowing the players to play without making them into robots, with um, with the ability to make decisions was really key for their just for the player development of everybody. Yeah, I think that when you play free flowing, you definitely try to uh, 
you know, develop some chemistry and you find things out along the way. So, you know, it might be games, it might be practices. People might just say, Hey, we can do this over here. What if we do this in this corner? This guy's really good at this. And you, you kind of stumble upon things um, as the yeah. season gets going that help you uh, become more dangerous. So I think that that is an advantage and you start to get used to each other a little bit as well. Um, so I, I would say that you do tend to, you know, get better um, that way, you know? So, yeah, I think that's definitely something that happens, you know, with the way that we played, I would say, you know, when I was at Hopkins, we might not have the best starts for a few of those years. Um, so maybe that could be a downside, but the uh, you know, but it does allow you to kind of, you know, grow with the season and become hard to scout because you're always just kind of finding new little ways to attack within like an unscripted set, uh, which I think is really advantageous. And, you know, for a stretch there, I thought our guys were playing awesome, awesome. I don't know if the last couple of games were our best on offense. We ran into some good defenses. Mm. Um, but I thought we, uh, you know, kind of from the beginning of the year, maybe in, you know, April especially, uh, you know, I was really impressed with the way the guys played. They did a really good job. Love it. All right. Well, thanks for the debrief on Maryland. I know everybody wanted to listen to that. And, and, and I think it gives everybody a little bit of a window into you. Because now let's talk about Providence College and this incredible opportunity of taking over Biggie's program with great facilities in my hometown of Providence, Rhode Island. I love Providence and PC, um, big time basketball, big time hockey, um, beautiful campus, Catholic school, high level academics, fully funded, great facilities, amazing opportunity. So I'm just trying to pump up your program a little bit. Um, <laughs> Appreciate so it. All very true. <laughs> it's all very true. I know you called me up. So what do you think about, about Providence? And, um, you know, listen, I'm, I'm biased because I'm from there, but no, it's it's great. And I think Coach Gabs really did build a, a really professional level of the way they they attacked everything. Um, but now you, you have to come in and, and, and hire staff. So so first of all, who, who, who you got on the staff? So we've got uh, Casey Broderson from Bryan is on staff and uh, Carol Kennedy, who was with us at Maryland and on staff. They are awesome. I couldn't be more excited to have them with us. Uh, you know, Casey's just crushed it at Bryant. Obviously, that's a place that has overachieved uh, for many of years and just done awesome. And he is a great worker and an awesome person. And I'm just so blessed to have him here. And then Carol was with us last year at Maryland. Uh, he spent a bunch of years at Limestone uh, when they were winning championships. So I think he's coached college lacrosse for 10 years and he has four national championships. So wow. he's by far the most accomplished uh, coach on staff. And <laughs> You know, we're excited to be getting a new volunteer starting to uh, today as well. Yeah. So, so that should be fun, too. So uh, we're going to welcome your boy Colin in, uh, you know, here. He's probably showing up as I'm speaking. Yeah, I know. He, he flew in last night for British Columbia. And because I have COVID right now, I didn't even really get to see him. So, but uh, um, exciting. So you got you hired two, uh, your two uh, full-time assistants are both defensive guys. How, how do you envision yourself guys? How do you guys envision yourselves playing defense? So, you know, we're going to be as, you know, tough, aggressive, make you uncomfortable, um, you know, stay in your gloves. Obviously, um, you know, we will, you know, look to support when we need to. And, you know, I, I am from, you know, coach Petro, coach Tillman, uh, background i don't think we're gonna be you know absolutely out of control but you know as an offensive guy too i know how annoying it can be when people are in your gloves and being aggressive and making you uncomfortable um you know while still making sure that 
you know, just like we are offensively and it doesn't want to be a defense or offense thing. We want to be together, right? We want it to be the six guys. We want to be unselfish. We want to be on the same page. Um, but we also want to allow ourselves to play freely and to, you know, make plays that we can make while we're being intelligent. And I think that goes whether it's offensively or defensively, um, you know, good slides good doubles things like that can be advantageous at times getting out and get on people's gloves but obviously at the same time we're you know we want to be smart and we want to make the offense earn their goals we, we don't want to give them easy goals we want to make them earn their goals um just like on the other end we want to make defenses kind of earn their stops and we don't want to give the ball away yeah and it's obviously like impossible to really know because you haven't seen the guys play yet your first team meeting is in a couple hours um, but these are just overall principles, right? That you just are like, hey, we're going. I don't to think I don't think that changes, and I think that alter this. Then how fast or how slow or how you're gonna, you know, if we could put six Dave Petromalas out there, you know, we'd be, uh, you know, leading the country and cause turnovers. If we put six Bobby Bensons out there on defense, we'd be playing zone. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so we'll, uh, you know, we'll be somewhere in between, and uh, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll kind of adjust as we go. But we want to allow them to be individuals. We want to allow them to make plays. We want to allow them to make good decisions uh but we want them to always be together and be on the same page too and uh you know that some of the parts is always the best yeah and the decisions um you know you talk about it so much offensively but obviously defensively the decisions are every bit important as important oh yeah that, that's i mean you know how you approach where you slide if you slide if you have a second if you you know have a double team if you know if you have a chance to knock a ball down, like everything, you know, if you go for something, you know, it's all about decisions because we don't want to expose ourselves. Um, you know, decisions generally run most of the game, right? If you can make good decisions, you give yourself a chance to win. Um, you really do. And so we want to make sure we're making good decisions. We don't want to beat ourselves. Um, you know, those things are important. So when you think about defensive uh, simplicity versus complexity, you know, the old, hey, we're very multiple or we're, we, we, we are very, very complex within our simplicity. How would you sort of characterize just philosophically, for example, like, you know, playing picks? Um, it's great to be able to play picks in a lot of ways. But then again, the more the more ways you play picks, the more likely you are to screw it up. And if you screw it up, you're going to end up with that two on one that we talked about. So what are your thoughts as far as as far as keeping things simple versus being able to be multiple? I think you have to be able to, I think the more multiple you can be, it can be advantageous, but just as you said, you don't want to do it at the point where you're going to hurt yourself. So I think that, you know, you spend your fall and you're in your base and you can always go back to whatever you're going to do for your base. And then if there's things that you can add to it as you grow and develop, just like you will offensively, defensively, everywhere else. Um, you know, I, I think that that's what's, you know, going to give you the best chance. And, and it'll be the same thing all over the field, the face-offs, the, you know, man down, the man up, the, you know, the riding and clearing, like, you know, if you can have one clear and that's all you're going to do, and that's, you know, the best that you're going to do, that's great. If like you need to adjust a little bit and you're able to do a couple different things, maybe you can get out and get transition or do this and that, then maybe you can take advantage of something. Um, you know, so I don't know if that's, uh, you know, and again, we haven't even gotten out on the field with them. Um, Right. You know, but definitely people slow down when they think and we don't want them to slow down. We want them to play fast. We want them to play aggressive. We don't want them to be out there thinking so much that they are slowing down, but we want them to be able to make good decisions. 
So we'll give them as much of the decisions that they can, as long as they're playing fast, hard, and obviously making good ones. And then, uh, and then as that goes, you start to try to say, okay, well, let's simplify this here so that we're still, you know, being able to be successful and play fast and play aggressive. Cause we don't want to slow down. We don't want to think we don't want to do that, but if we can do some things to throw the other team off or to take advantage of a situation, we obviously will. Are you thinking about trying to, so in general, play fast, play fast, you know, react fast, play fast and push the ball, get the ball cleared quickly. So you don't deal with that 20 second shot clock and long, you know, these, you know, people riding the piss out of you, um, pushing in transition. I mean, all of the above, just develop your team to play fast. Generally, is that going to be something you're going to do? We'll get down the field and we'll, you know, we want to keep pressure on the defense, right? I mean, we want to, we want to clear the ball. If we can clear it quick, great. Doesn't let the team set up 10 mans, all that. If not, we obviously got to get down and clear it. We do not want to come down and throw the ball around for 20 seconds, as I just said. So we want to keep the pressure on. If we can come down and we got something or we can leave somebody on or we can attack kind of through the different phases of offense, your transition, your subbing, your six on six, that's advantageous. Um, you know, we don't want to be reckless. Sometimes I hear like play fast and it really just means like you're going to throw the ball away or try to shoot in 20 seconds. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's make them defend 80 seconds of a shot clock, but then let's make them defend or 60 if we get it across in 20, but then let's make them defend 60. Let's not, a lot of times it's like, Hey, make them defend the shot clock. So you throw it in a circle for 30 seconds and then you play for 30 and they really only defend it 30 seconds anyway. Right. So if we make them defend 60 seconds of a shot clock. We want to make them defend 60 seconds of a shot clock. And what that means is that they break down in 10 or 15 seconds. Then we want to score in 10 or 15 seconds. Yeah. If they break down in 45, then we want to score in 45. Um, but we want to make them defend, you know, that time. Um, you know, if we want to play for the end of the shot clock, then we'll, you know, play for one shot and we'll, you know, kind of hang out and, you know, go for something, say it's the end of the quarter or whatever. Right. But we want to keep pressure on them. I don't, I don't always use the term play fast or I, my idea of play fast is probably different than some others. Um, we do want to keep pressure on people the whole time we're playing because I think that that's how you're going to, you know, give yourself the most success. But yeah, but it also comes back to shot selection, right? You got to take great shots. You just can't just shoot it. And that's, you know, when it's playing fast and it's bad shots, it's not smart lacrosse. That exactly. So we want to play fast, but we want to play smart and we want to, you know, we want to work for good shots that we're going to hit, you know, uh, 35% of the time, whatever it is, um, you know, on each possession and, and how do we get there? That's kind of our job in practice to figure out how we're going to, you know, orchestrate that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the, the possession battle, I mean, to be able to wear people down, you know, I mean, I think that sometimes when you think about playing fast, it sounds all great and everything, but there's, there's something to making somebody defend you for a full shot clock. Like you said, you know, physically, not just having the ball, the, having the ball is one advantage because if, if people are scoring at a 33% rate, then a possession is worth a third of a goal. And if you give up the ball early in the possession, and they have that possession, it's almost like 0.66 against you, right? So to be able to have that ball and not score and make them guard a pressure that you're putting on them for the full 60 seconds of the shot clock, um, there's value in that possession, even if you don't come out with a goal. No, without a doubt, you know, and that's where, you know, you keep the pressure on them, you make them defend you, you wear them down, um, you know, they can't score if they don't have it, you know, they start to get frustrated. But at the same time, we're going to keep the pressure on them. And a lot of times they're going to break down in 10 seconds. And, you know, yep. we want to be ready to take advantage of those opportunities too. So, you know, a lot of times our offensive guys are going to look to sneak off the field and we want to look to be able to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, we don't want to just be waiting for the end of the shot clock. Cause that doesn't, you know, that limits you the other way. So 
you know, it's about making good decisions and, you know, playing as freely as you can while you're doing it. Well, similar to what we talked about sort of as we finished up the Maryland discussion, player development uh, is going to be critical. That's 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 your your upside. Right. Um, how do you how do you sort of go about that? Um, just big picture wise with your team as you're going to try to develop these players um, they get better every week. No, we're, we're, we're going to go outside in a week and see, uh, you know, or Tuesday, I guess, is our first practice and we'll see where we are and what we have. And like I said, you know, I'm sure the guys are going to work hard because I'm super blessed that, uh, you know, Coach Gabriella and his staff have left, has, have left this place, uh, you know, in a really good spot. So I'm sure we'll be working hard. I'm sure they'll be flying around, um, you know, and we're just going to try to move the needle, you know, each day a little bit forward with where we go. And whether that's doing small sided drills, whether it's playing some sixes, which I'm a huge fan of, whether it's getting out and scrimmaging, whether it's getting the guys out on their own. They've been out already this week. We come in at like, you know, 8 a.m. 7 30 a.m and there's guys out on the field shooting which has been really good to see um you know th those things are all going to pay off and you know where we are with that and where we're going to go with that you know will probably be determined in the first week or two uh we're going to spend a little bit of time in our eight hour weeks just so we can kind of get a little idea for where we are as we head into our uh, 20 hour weeks um and you know we're going to you know, be, be adjusting that I'm sure on the fly always, um, you know, the, the big thing that, you know, we want to do is every day, just, you know, keep getting better and take another step forward. And, you know, whether it's, you know, dodging or whether it's stick work or whether it's, you know, understanding uneven situations, whatever it may be, um, you know, covering a goal line, you know, those things will, you know, we'll have to figure out as we get out here to try to figure out exactly where we want to, you know, move the needle with the team and move the needle with each guy individually, right? Because that's how we're going to getting better. So culturally, you know, you've got a big job to sort of establish the culture or build on the culture, you know, um, and establish. Um, what are your sort of thoughts on that? Or how much of it is like, hey, we got these, you know, principles we're going to go with, but we're going to kind of see who we have and sort of go from there. What's what's sort of the, what can people kind of think about when they think, when you think of culture, what does it mean to you? You know, I, I think the thing about culture is that, you know, you're always going to be as good as, you know, your leaders and your seniors and the guys that you got behind you. Um, and I, I think that, you know, being able to be on the same page with them and being able to kind of, you know, get them to buy into the things that you believe in is probably the most important thing. Um, you know, so we're going to do our best here to try to, you know, make sure we can develop some really strong relationships as fast as we can, um, with some of the guys. And like I said, I'm, you know, super pumped that all the guys have been out working hard and that coach Gabs left this place, you know, from that standpoint in a good spot already, um, you know, we're obviously going to stress the importance of decision making and that's everywhere, right? That's, you know, in offense, on defense and riding and clearing in the classroom, off the field. Uh, I mean, you know, life in lacrosse are, you know, often just, you know, a whole bunch of decisions lined up, you know, and we make some good ones and bad ones and we learn and we keep moving forward. And, you know, I think that's going to be the big thing. We're going to, you know, make good decisions, bad decisions as coaches, as players, we want to keep moving forward. And, you know, you guys buy into us and we buy into you and we're just going to kind of, you know, keep getting better every day and, and see at the, uh, you know, first game where we can be and see at the end of the year where we can be. And, you know, one one thing that we expect to do is we expect to be able to compete, you know, with, with anybody on our schedule. Uh, and that's important. And, you know, we uh, we need to go into games knowing that we got a good chance to win the game. And, and that's where we need to be. 
right, let's finish up the conversation here a little bit with recruiting. Um, so give us, uh, first of all, just give us your, your pitch on why, um, why Providence College is going to be an exciting place for people to hear from you in a couple of days on September 1st. Well, the last two, the last couple of years of my life have been, you know, completely crazy, um, you know, between, you know, being at Hopkins and then, you know, I, I think all good things happen for a reason. And, you know, that was probably the best thing ever as time it kind of tells here and you can kind of see things unfold, um, you know, but the family moves to Atlanta. And four months later, Coach Tillman calls and it's two years living in my dad's basement while I'm uh, coaching at Maryland. And, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to come back here. And, uh, you know, it's a big move for the family. I just booked 74 nights in a hotel um, so that I can, uh, you know, we just settled on a house. We'll be ready in November. And so it's uh, it's a tough move. And it's another few months away from the kids. And, you know um but this is a spot that we kind of my wife and i were like this is an awesome job and one that we'd love to have and one that we think that you know could be a really good lacrosse program and, and hopefully you know our excitement for leaving atlanta and moving the family and coming up here um is the same excitement that the recruits would have when they come here and that is one it is an awesome place to go to school it really is um Everybody here loves it. Uh, if you look at the coaching change, very few or no guys really hit the transfer portal. Um, and that's because they all love their experience here. My wife's a 2003 alum and all of her friends, they come back to every homecoming. They absolutely love their experience here. Our alums have been overly gracious and reaching out and you can just tell the, the pride they have in Providence College and the Providence College across program. People love their experience in uh in Friartown. Um so so that's one reason why this school is really attractive. Um academically it's awesome. Uh the business school is great. Uh, our guys are doing tremendously well. Our guys when they graduate are doing tremendously well. I like the small school environment, the small ca uh, class sizes. Uh you know, I think the Catholic school, I think all of those things add to the value of the experience. So I, I think that that's really cool as well. So you've got people love the school. You've got great academics. Um, you've got engaged alumni. And then you've got a serious dedication to a sports. Um, and it gives you more of a big school feel in the small school setting because of the Big East sports and because of the big time sports with, you know, soccer was in a sweet 16 uh I'm sorry, soccer was in a final four a few years ago. Uh, hockey won a national championship uh, a few years ago. Basketball, Sweet 16 last year. They've really figured out how to be successful in sports here. And we need to help them get lacrosse to that next level. Um, but the sports are super successful. And, uh, you know, you combine successful athletics with the great experience with the great academics. And I just think it's an awesome place. Um, you know, the town itself, as you know, is a sweet town, great spot to be, um, you know, by the, by the ocean, great food, um, just great city. So I think that's awesome. Um, they were having, I think over 3000 students at basketball games last year. There's only over slightly over 4,000 in the school. So, you know, it's a spot that loves their sports and, and loves their athletics along with kind of loving their, uh, you know, commitment to academics and commitment to, you know, the, uh, 
total experience, which I think makes it an awesome place. I'm super excited to be here. And, uh, you know, we just can't wait to get going. Sweet. What, um, what would you say, give us a quick breakdown. Let's go position by position on, you know, sort of philosophically what you're looking for. Um, you know, starting with goalies, what do you, what do you look for in a goalie? You know, you want somebody that's a good leader. You want somebody that's a good communicator. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they have to be able to save the ball. I would love to tell you that we want the, you know, six foot one, six foot two, um, you know, big body in the goal that, you know, but then, you know, there's going to be a five foot 10 goalie that's really, really good. It's got quick hands. It does a great job. Yeah. So I, I don't want to say, hey, we want a six foot two goalie and then scare away all the five because. You know, at the end of the day, we want the guys to stop the ball the best. And, you know, um, you know, guys that stay poised in the net, guys that, you know, don't necessarily have happy feet, um, you know. But again, you know, th there's things that we can work with, too. So, you know, guys that are quick hands, but guys that, you know, um, you know, have good poise in the goal that stay, you know, that stay in there that, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, Look the part in terms of, you know, comfortability in the net, I think is something that's really important. Mm. It's really interesting how you look at the PLL. It seems like the majority of the goalies are like for mid-major programs. They're, 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 they're not coming from the top recruiting classes in the country. Right now you got what gets as, as from Virginia and Burnlore as the two sort of power program goalies. Every, otherwise it's like Albany and Hofstra and, in other words, it's it's probably a difficult position to recruit. Um, I think sometimes people maybe just go too much for a big name or they go too much for like what they think is important technique. Yeah, it's not an easy one. Yeah. And, you know, you can, you know, you can get mad at a goalie because he's dropping his hands too much. And, you know, next thing you know, like you can help with that a little bit. And, you know, um, and next thing you know, he's fine again. So I, I don't know. Um, you know, if there's an exact right or wrong there. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, we want the guys, you want them to be good talkers, good leaders, to have good poise in the goal and it kind of, but the guys that save the ball the best are going to be the ones that you want the most. And, and you try to figure it out after that, for sure. Got to get another tape voice in the net. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> We've got some good goalies here, so hopefully we yeah. can, uh, you know, kind of keep that totally. going. We've got very good goalies yeah. here. All right, so how about defensively? And, and with, within these positions, other than the goal, the other positions, it seems like there's oftentimes positions within positions. So if you wouldn't mind sort of talking about the different kinds of defensemen and or LSMs you're looking for, that would be great. Yeah, you know, and, and we're having that conversation right now in the staff. Um, you know, we definitely have a couple of guys that we like that are big, long, 6'5", rangy guys that, you know, definitely are hard to get around and tough for defenders. Um, you know, there's other guys that are probably smaller, kind of, scrappy good sticks maybe trail check you a little bit um you know so some of those guys can be good up top sometimes so we've you know have a couple of those guys that we're looking at the big strong guys that kind of sit down at goal line and defend you uh obviously those guys are super advantageous um i, I think universally you're trying to make sure that they have good feet that they can move well i, I think that that's something that's important in a defenseman um, you know, one thing that's hard to judge in a defenseman sometimes is their athletic IQ, their ability to make good decisions, their ability yeah. to kind of 
slow play that two on one and buy time for somebody or, you know, not rush out to the faceoff guy coming down on a four on three and kind of bait him to shoot it at 11. Um, some of those things are sometimes hard to judge in a defenseman. Uh, but I think those things can be really advantageous as well. I have a question about the uh, – you talked about the big guy that can sit there on the GLE, but um, sometimes these undersized defensemen are just such pit bulls, you know, like Grill at Maryland or or the Cornell kid. What was that kid's name? Um, you know, they're undersized guys, but they they can match up on big guys. No, there's some small they're guys. Such a, they're such a – you, you would think you'd just be able to bowl them right over, but you can't. Um, how do you even recruit those guys? Uh, you know, you, you... – you hope, um, you know, if they have good feet and they're strong, you start to kind of figure, you know, try to figure it out. And if you can figure out if guys are tough and competitive, you know, that goes a long way, especially yeah, with a, you know, a defensive player. So, you know, you try to find some guys that, you know, ha have that kind of chip on their shoulder. And, and, you know, I think that's probably what those guys had that they did so well with was that competitiveness. Um, so I think that, that can go a long way as well. Yeah. And they probably got that athletic IQ with the leverage game and all that. <laughs> Um, all right. About attackmen, uh, positions within positions. How do you think about that? Yeah, you know, again, at the end of the day, we want attackmen that are good. Um, <laughs> that score a lot of goals. Uh, but obviously, you know, I, I, I'm a skill guy on offense. I do like guys that are skilled, but you have to be able to beat somebody at some point as well. Um, you know, I try to look at good hands, good feet. Uh, you're going to have some of the guys that are kind of bigger, stronger bull dodgers versus two-handed quick guys that may be behind the goal that have some vision. Uh, if you're one of those guys, you want to make sure that they're able to kind of draw a slide. Um, you know, it's nice to have a guy or two in each class that can shoot the ball and stretch you a little bit. Um, try to get some lefties and righties, although we do like to play offense where you can kind of go to both sides of the field and not worry about that too much. Um, you know, some guys that can move between a, a attack and midfield. Uh, I think that that's important as well, or guys that have played both, um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we want to try to get six guys on the field. They're going to help us score a goal uh, when we have it. So I think that, you know, the attack and midfield position can be interchangeable a little bit um, for sure. And so I think that that's something, again, that, you know, can definitely, you know, kind of work through both positions. So the attack in midfield is interchangeable and it comes in different shapes and sizes. You can have a bigger guy. You can have a scat back guy. You can have a few guys that are semi one handed. You want a few two handed guys. Um, but in the midfield, you also sometimes want to have some two way guys. What, what are you going to do as far as recruiting D middies or two way middies and how much two way do you want to be able to play? Yeah, you know, I mean, when you go on offense, you want to make sure there's one guy that can probably run back in the hole, if not two guys. Um, you know, hopefully everybody can kind of run back and, you know, figure out how to survive on the defensive end. But the athleticism in the middle of the field is something that's important to get transition and to not give up transition, to win ground ball battles. There's so many things that, you know, athleticism in the middle of the field can help you with. Um, so, no, we're going to just try to bring in a handful of guys that we think are just good athletes that can help us in the middle of the field. They can you know, help us run between the boxes, um, you know, and if they fit in offensively, if they fit in defensively, you know, you, you try to figure that out as you go. But, you know, the more athletic you can be, the better um, for sure. How about character-wise? How do you do your homework and find out about these guys, um, you know, both pre-September 1 and as you get, as things heat up? 
Yeah, we've tried to get on the phone with a bunch of high school and club coaches. Um, you know, I've probably been doing that for the better part of the last month and just get a feel for some guys and who would fit in well and who wouldn't. And we hope to meet them, um, you know, when they come to campus and get a chance to know them, talking to them a little bit. And we'll continue to kind of do that as uh, as the recruiting process unfolds and we figure out who's interested and, you know, we get a sense for what type of person they are and if there's somewhere that would fit in well in the locker room. But obviously – we want to create, you know, we want to create an environment in our locker room of all great guys that are, you know, not only going to be great on the field, but be great in the classroom and be great in the community and, and represent Providence College across well. And that's super important to us. Um, you know, and we want guys in the locker room that ultimately are going to be fun, right? Fun to be around and, and fun to coach. Um, you know, one thing I said, uh, you know, on, on my interview that, uh, you know, the athletic director uh, here always holds me to is, uh, you know, lacrosse has to be the best part of their day. It really does. And we want to make it that environment and we want to make it fun. Um, but for that, it's got to be people that we're going to have fun coaching, right? It's got to be people that are going to have fun playing lacrosse. It's got to be people that when their feet hit the uh, ground in the morning, they wake up and they're, you know, you know, can't wait to get to the gym or can't wait to get to the field themselves. And we got to create that environment, but we also got to help to find that type of person, um, you know, because ultimately we've got a lot of work to do and, uh, you know, we've got a ton of work to do if we want to get where we want to go, but we have so much work to do that we better have fun doing it. And so we want to make it fun and we want to be able to enjoy, you know, kind of all the time that we're in the locker room with the guys that are out on the field with the guys and all the time that we're doing the work that we have to do to get where we want to go. Yeah. Really exciting. Well, Bobby, you've you've had amazing success, you know, even statistically at Hopkins and at Maryland, some of the most efficient and best offenses year after year after year. Anybody is going to want to come play offense for you. You've got incredible defensive staff and a really solid defensive uh, program, Connery, that you inherited. Um, so it should be a lot of fun for you to have this opportunity to be a head coach for the first time. Um, I'm really excited to see how you guys do. Before we go, do you have a prospect day coming up that you want to let people know about? We don't have one coming up. We are uh, we're trying to find a day to have one, but uh, we don't have one coming up yet. So uh, hopefully we can get something out soon. Got it. Cool. Well, people should look out for it. Um, Bobby, so great to uh, talk across with you as usual. And uh, best of luck as you move forward and uh, be looking forward to checking you guys out as you go along. Thank you, Coach. I really appreciate the time. Always great to talk lacrosse with you and uh, go Friars. <laughs> All right. See you, Bobby. See you.